0: Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders, hosted by Cheryl Toth and Mike Sikopoulos, and produced by Green Branch Publishing.
1: Mike, I watched one of my all-time favorite movies last weekend, last Sunday, actually, The Matrix. Are you a fan of this film, of Morpheus's deep wisdom and the journey of Neo into finding out what is truth, what is real, what is not?
2: Are you? I, I, may, I may be one of the few people that you know, Tothi, that has missed out on this movie, which very well may explain my lot in life at this moment.
1: <laughs> well, you need to watch this. Actually, it's a trilogy of films. They're ju- they're just so great. Um, the Matrix is the first one, and it was released in 1999, and. It holds up surprisingly well for being 20 years old. I'm, I'm always reminded that of that when I watch it. Um, the special effects, the costumes, even the hairstyles you know, which normally you see a film in the 90s. I think women notice this more than guys do probably yeah. because the women's hairstyles will change wildly, right um, That's true. But the matrix really doesn't look dated and oh my oh my, a young Keanu Reeves, you know that that, that right there is a reason to watch this film. <laughs>
2: you know, with, with a name like that, he's got to be good, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you give somebody a kid a name like Keanu. He, there's expectations that go
1: with that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's just, he's amazing. He's a, you know, he's great in the film, but he's easy on the eyes, as we like to say. So, um, so Mike, you're probably wondering why I'm sort of going off on this seems like a tangent about The Matrix when our topic today is remote patient monitoring systems.
2: Well, now that you mention it, (laughs) Tothi.
1: Well, I think part of that, Mike, is because you haven't seen the film. Maybe there's some folks out there who are fans of The Matrix like I am who are saying, "Hmm, I can kind of see a connection because The Matrix is not only the name of the film, it's also um, a place or a thing, if you will, in the film. The Matrix is actually a computer-generated reality, a virtual reality, and it's essentially a network uh, which into which everyone is connected, and it's it's not real. And, oh, spoiler alert, so I guess if you're gonna see the film, and I hope you will um, watch it, uh, it's on Netflix. You, uh, you are connected into this thing, and when you're in it, you're not really physically present, but when you're in the Matrix, you're still connected and being monitored by um, the team Back in this case, uh, on the mothership, which um, in the Matrix was primarily a character named Tank. And Tank was able to monitor the team when they were in there and get, he would get all these indicators of their location and their their um, physical well-being to make sure that they were okay while they were in there. And their physical bodies were in the ship, but they were connected to the network. So, you know, there were okay. kind of two places at once. See?
2: Okay, my friend. I, I, I see where you're going with this. This does kind of sound like remote patient monitoring now, doesn't it? Yeah. The system that automatically monitors vital signs and other clinical indications that are important to a patient's condition and so that a physician can step in or know when something's just not right. So follow-up can be had, right? That's the kind of information that we're getting from remote um, monitoring. Yeah. And in your case with the, the Matrix analogy, which I have to give you a tip of the hat. I do like this. <laughs> Even though I'm not fully versed in the, uh, the, the film, I, I have heard about it from a number of, of people. So it's on my to watch list. But um, I, I, I see in the case of the Matrix that the, that the team doesn't die while out, out there fighting for, for the cause of good because they have some remote monitoring help.
1: Exactly. So while they're out fighting the agents, they're not, you know, obliterated. Uh, hopefully, the uh, the phone ri- the phone rings and Tank brings them brings them back. So um, huh. that's what I interviewed Ron Sterling, today's guest, about last week is all about this idea and the systems and the concepts around remote patient monitoring systems. Ron is an author, consultant, and a technology expert, and he gave me an incredible amount of detail about remote patient monitoring systems. So he's going to Talk about in our interview today um, that we've got, uh, you know, like what they are, how they're being used in various specialties, for what purpose, and why 2019 is a whole new world for physicians that want to move in this direction in terms of monitoring patients.
2: Oh, interesting. And what's the reason for that?
1: Well, new codes and better reimbursement opportunities.
2: Ooh, I see. I imagine that value based (coughs) care contracts are driving the use of remote monitoring, right?
1: Well, they are, but remember, there's still such a small percentage of overall revenue for physicians. So mm-hmm. the new codes um, and the increased reimbursement and these new reimbursement opportunities make it more accessible for practices that aren't yet taking risk. So that there's now an incentive for practices to really consider them, look at systems, consider implementing them instead of waiting until we, you know, eventually we're going to be all value-based care, I think, or all risk-based. Mm-hmm. Ron's going to explain more about that. Um, so I want to get to that interview because it's rich, rich, rich with information, but Mike, let's do something before we get to the interview. Let's hear today's word of the show.
2: Oh, bless you. This (laughs) is, you you know, my favorite part. Okay. Here's our, here's our, our word of the, uh, the show, Tethi, tether, know this word, a line, um, which something or, or someone is, is attached kind of like a safety rope, right?
1: Yeah, a safety rope. Uh, well, and I'm also reminded of elementary school playground uh, antics when I played tetherball with my friends. But that wasn't so safe because you know you bang that tetherball. You remember, did you play that with the ball and then the rope is connected to that? Oh yeah, host? no, it was
2: it was good fun. Although it was a little bit more of an aggressive form of the game, <laughs> exactly. I think probably than what uh, what you and the other girls were were playing. I distinctly remember Joey McQuarrie's head getting bopped with a. Uh, <laughs> All tethered. So, anyway, yeah, uh, that
1: that wasn't a safety rope situation, but you know, it is. Uh, the safety rope is a good way of thinking about it, right?
2: Yeah, wherever you are, Joey. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. So, <clears throat> it's a definitely a good way to think about remote patient monitoring as a kind of a, a tether, a virtual tether, if you will. Yep. Uh, when patients are tethered to their physicians using remote monitoring, it's like a safety rope. If a clinical Indicator goes awry, the physician is alerted about it automatically and can follow up. No more uh, do physicians have to wait and hope that the patient will think to call and report it. You know, we know how that's going to, how well that works. Right, exactly. Right? Uh, Because certainly in in some cases, they may not even recognize that something has changed or is, is wrong. But when they're connected to the system, someone on the care team is alerted and can step in to take appropriate action.
1: Yes, like monitoring people in the matrix.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Let's hear Ron Sterling explain uh, this in much greater detail. Dothy, here's your interview with Ron Sterling.
1: So I have here in the virtual studio with me today a dear friend, colleague, expert, somebody who's been in the healthcare technology industry for many years, more years than I think he and I want to count, and (laughs) (laughs) um, it's Ron Sterling, and I'm so glad that you've joined us on Sound Practice, Ron. Welcome to the podcast today.
3: Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's great connecting with you. Uh, It's it's been a while, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk to you.
1: Great. Well, I'm glad that we could get this together because your schedule's busy, and I know you're working on a lot of great projects, and maybe you'll share some of those with us today. Um, As we talk about remote patient monitoring systems, um, your evolution, I guess it would say, like I think of all the books you've written over the years, starting with EHR books and being an expert in helping physicians and health systems choose, choose EHRs and other technologies, and now you've moved into this. So I'm excited about that. And I want to tell Uh, those who don't know you, that um, Ron Sterling is a a healthcare EHR and remote patient monitoring system and remote care management consultant, and he's the founder of Sterling Solutions in Maryland. Uh, He advises healthcare organizations on strategic and tactical use of information technology, all in an effort to improve patient services and quality of care. And uh, he serves as a subject matter expert on EHRs in medical professional liability risk management and claims. He speaks all over the country. He's a writer. Uh, He's actually the author of eight books about health information technology, prolific writer. And he is the author of two Green Branch publications, Non-Fee-for-Service Revenue Cycle Management, which I think is the latest one. Is that right, Ron? correct. Yep, that's correct. And he also wrote the book, which I have. I still have this book, Ron. Um, Keys to EHR Success. I really do. Um, which was the HIMSS Book of the Year award winner, which is which is terrific. So glad he could join us. And we're going to be talking about um, this whole issue of, you know, what is, what is a remote remote patient monitoring system? What do you do with it? What are the trends and and all of that? So I know you're going to enjoy our conversation with Ron. I just wanted to kind of kick things off to say that, you know, I've been reading a lot about this whole this whole concept of we don't have to have the patient come to the office to care for them or treat them or talk with them. I mean, really, we've had phones for a long time, but now there's a variety of different ways to to do this and to manage care and to deliver care. And the Consumer Technology Association recently released a report on remote patient monitoring, which said, um, which showed that 68 percent of physicians intend to use it, but of course, not nearly that many, I don't think, um, are using it today, but the tide is turning and things are changing as value-based care takes hold and people are taking more risk. In fact, I just happened to be facilitating a webinar yesterday with, um, a subject matter expert in orthopedic bundles for, you know, the BPCI advanced cohort two. And I was really fascinated to hear about the lessons that were learned with cohort one and how many practices now are really moving toward uh, voluntarily signing up for the BPCI advanced bundle. So, Ron, why don't we start by just kind of lay out this definition of what is remote patient monitoring? What are the systems? Why do we have them? Kind of give us a landscape of what you're seeing as you uh, work across the country.
3: Okay. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Cheryl. It's uh, great talking with you. Um, Okay. So if you don't mind, I I want to take two steps back before we dive into remote patient monitoring. Sure. Remote patient monitoring, the whole world changed on January 1st, 2019. So January 1st, 2019, prior to January 1st, 2019, there was a remote patient monitoring. And and the key here is that on January 1st, 2019, Medicare basically released a complete redo to the remote patient monitoring uh, codes. Uh, Prior to January 1st, 2019, there was a a single code. uh, You could get paid $60. The problem was the billing practitioner is the one that had to do all the work. And that is not a very cost-effective way of doing this. So when we talk about all these different technologies and servicing patients outside the clinic, uh, avoiding emergency room visits, all these other kinds of things, if we keep going back to the doctor and saying, doctor, you're the one that has to check everything, you're the one that has to monitor everything, that's never gonna happen because I would prefer the doctor be in the clinic working with patients and solving serious problems. So Mm -hmm. remote patient monitoring is basically collecting and monitoring physiological information Uh, Think uh, blood glucose levels, blood pressure, uh, um, um, uh, pulse, uh, respiration, uh, core body temperature, mobility, nutrition, all kinds of things that we can monitor. And so you have a gadget that's either in your house or perhaps you're even wearing it on your wrist. And uh, the system is working through your phone, through the Bluetooth connection. It's sending information out into the cloud the information is going into the cloud. Now, when this information goes into the cloud, uh, and that information could be information from a Bluetooth-enabled scale, it could be from a Bluetooth-enabled spirometer, when the information goes into the cloud, it goes into an analytics engine that looks at that information and says, has this patient gone beyond the guardrails that the doctor has set up for that patient? And so on a patient-by-patient basis, the doctor's making a clinical decision about when do I need to be notified about this patient running into a problem? And it could be anything from a CHF patient gaining a pound or two, Mm -hmm. to uh, somebody whose pulse has gone down to a lower level than you would want them to be, to uh, perhaps uh, somebody's not taking enough steps uh, during the day. So they're supposed to be active, they're supposed to get around, it's part of a health coaching exercise. Uh, They're not doing that. So we're setting up these guardrails. And when you go beyond the guardrails, it sends an alert to the clinical call center. And we can talk about what that is momentarily. Okay. And then the clinical call center can now take a look at it and say, is this somebody heading in the wrong direction? Is this somebody entering the danger zone? Is it somebody who needs a phone call to remind them to take their pills? or is it somebody that I need to call and say your calorie intake has gone up you were supposed to say under 1800 calories you're not we're not going to be able to achieve our objectives how can we how can we make that happen or maybe their calories aren't high enough maybe somebody only uh, ate less didn't eat 1000 calories today and that's a problem because they have nutrition issues so there's many many different kinds of rules that we can put into the analytics engine and then the analytics engine goes and notifies uh, the clinic uh, that this is somebody that might need a phone call. They might need some sort of other attention.
1: So this, this is really helpful for me. I'm formula. In fact, I'm sort of like drawing a little, as you're saying about each stage. So in my mind, I get this This is not telehealth. This is collection of data points automatically or, well, sounds like from a watch or device mostly, but maybe also people entering in their glucose levels or something analyzed against some other data and and so the a change could trigger an alert, and then somebody, whether it's a call center or a physician, is notified to follow up with the patient because something's wrong. They gained a pound if they were a CHF patient, like you said, or they haven't taken enough steps. So well, that's know,
3: you know, now what you might want. You want to look at this in the context of telehealth and chronic care management.
1: Okay, so that that we'll, was going to be my next question. Is you could do this for various chronic conditions, right? you could manage a condition this way, maybe with these systems.
3: Well, here's the interesting question about chronic care management. Okay. Uh, Chronic care management is basically based on minutes that you work with the patient during the month. So I might work with a patient for three minutes on the first. I might work with a patient 10 minutes on the 15th. I might work with a patient 13 minutes on the 27th. And that adds up to a number that that is the basis for the billing of chronic care management. Chronic care management is billed in the context of I can do it for 20 minutes a month and that's, uh, that's non-complex. Uh, if it's complex or medium complex, I can bill 60 minutes. And then I even can have, uh, if a physician, if, if it escalates to the level of a physician and the physician had to spend 30 minutes in the month on that patient, we have a separate code for that. Now, Now, chronic care management is a little different, right? Because Chronic care management has to be a patient that has two or more chronic conditions that are expected to last at least 12 months or until they're no longer with us, Mm -hmm. okay? And and the patient has to actually sign a consent form for chronic care management. Here's the interesting question for chronic care management. When do I contact them? What is the trigger for contacting that patient? We We end up playing the numbers game again, right? In healthcare, if I go to my doctor and the doctor thinks that I have this problem that might get worse in the next nine months, he'll say, Come back in six months and see me. Well, that's a numbers game because maybe I need to see them in six days or six weeks, or maybe I don't need to see them for 12 months. But the doctor has no continuity of care information upon which to base a judgment. So now let's take a look at chronic care management. Chronic care management said, Stay on top of your patients make sure they're taking their medicines, make sure they're sticking with the care plan, all this other kind of stuff. But what was the trigger? The trigger was going to be something along the lines of, well, I guess I'll call this person in two weeks or everything's going fine. Maybe I don't need to call them for three weeks or everything's going to garbage and now I really have to call them every every day. So chronic care management is kind of monitoring that. But the question was, what's the trigger? Well, now you have this thing called remote patient monitoring. And the big change is that doctors do not have to do all the monitoring. I now can have a qualified healthcare professional, or I can also use clinical staff to monitor uh, the remote patient information as it's coming in. Now now look at chronic care management. Now I have this remote patient monitoring system. Mm -hmm. It's now telling me information. And by the way, remote patient monitoring technology can be used to collect subjective and objective information. So for example, I could have a health assessment questionnaire to a patient,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, maybe I have a patient who has kidney stones and they're going to report back when they have an attack or maybe somebody is self cathing and now I'm going to have them, rep- instead of writing their void and their drain numbers down on the back of a, a, an envelope and bring it in every three weeks, I'm going to have them enter their drain and their void numbers uh, into a application that is going to come in as as remote patient monitoring information. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I have a behavioral health person, someone who's got some problems. Maybe I have them fill out a health assessment questionnaire every day. Are you feeling better today than you did yesterday? And it can be a tree structure, right? Because if I say, no, I'm not feeling better today than I did yesterday, it might ask a question of, did you have breakfast today? Did you take your medications today? And these questions and the answers to these questions can be analyzed within the analytics engine to make a determination about whether or not I need to look at this patient. Now, telehealth is if I actually provide services through um, a Gchat or Skype-like facility with Mm -hmm. the patient, and there's 40 states right now that that basically say that providing, informa- providing services over the internet is just as good as having them in your office. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have to bring them in my office, I can stay more engaged with the patient. You know, Patients have a lot of problems. Some of them have mobility problems. Some of them are an hour, hour and a half from your office. Uh, some of them might be in a rural environment. It's not so easy to get to the, to, to, or the, maybe they don't have a car. I mean, there's all kinds of different issues that patients might not be able to easily come to the office. So now look at this. So I have remote patient monitoring. And if the patient is going into a bad area, okay, I can literally click a button Mm
1: -hmm. and I can now
3: start a telehealth visit that is going to be paid for separately as a telehealth visit. So remote patient monitoring, I can get up to $123 a month for remote patient monitoring services. And this is new revenue. This is stuff that you haven't been doing. And you you wouldn't have been paid
1: for in the past, right? There Before January 1, 2019, like you're saying, there really wasn't a payment, a code or a payment mechanism for that?
3: There there was a payment code, but it wasn't very practical because it was the doctor had to do everything.
1: Was that, is that 99040, the chronic care man? That's
3: 99091. Oh, okay. Remote patient monitoring, paid 60 bucks, required 30 minutes by the billing practitioner. Review, interpretation, and response had to be conducted by the billing practitioner, okay? So when I, now if you take a look at at the concept here, and and we can talk about how the the, the building blocks for doing this is actually in many practices already, but basically, if you now have uh, have this remote patient monitoring capability, I'm now staying on top of the patient situation. Mm -hmm. I'm receiving subjective and objective information from the patient. And that's going into the analytics engine to help flag my staff that this person's not, not where we want them to be. And what this does is this keeps people out of the hospital.
1: Yeah. And so is this, when you say remote patient monitoring system and all these things it does, is this a technology platform that has both the analytics engine stuff data capture and the telehealth feature and then
3: that's a that's a a great question that's a great question because if you go to best buy and you walk down the aisle of the healthcare aisle and you see the the web you see the uh glucose meters and the and the and the uh bluetooth enabled scales and stuff like that that doesn't mean that that information is going into a uh uh A tool that's going to be useful to physicians. So if you look at some of these products, like where you wear this little thing on your hand and it tells you the number of steps and your heart rate and all that other kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily designed to get information to your doctor. And your doctor is not going to sit there and deal with 37 different platforms, right? 37 products. And more important than anything else is that the doctor has to sign you up to uh, make sure that uh, they properly documented your need for remote patient monitoring services. And by the way, in chronic care management, it has to be two or more chronic conditions. Remote patient monitoring, it just has to be that the patient's going to benefit from monitoring.
1: Oh, wow. So you could use it for any... You could use it postoperatively maybe to monitor their condition or you could... Um, right. Use it for any any diagnosis, any condition they have. It doesn't have as to long, be...
3: As long as a patient's going to benefit. So huh. we have a terrible obesity problem in the United States. A third of our of our citizens are obese. So if you have, if you're a doctor and most, you know, primary practitioner has between 1,500 and 2,500 patients in general, um, you're, you, you have uh, a third of them, 500 to you know, seven, seven, eight hundred, eight hundred 800 or so doc patients could actually benefit because if I put them in a remote patient monitoring tool to monitor their weight and monitor their pulse and blood pressure, I also could use that tool to, uh, some some systems actually let you monitor nutrition. Now this is very different than Weight Watchers. Yeah. This is actually monitoring your nutrition and again, measuring your nutrition against the guardrails. So the guardrails are sitting there defined and managed by the doctor. So that if my weight goes above, one, if, if I'm trying to lose weight and my weight is going up, the system can, can, I de- can flag it to the clinical call center. A health coach, health coach, it doesn't have to be the doctor. A health coach could call me up and say, Ron, I, I see you're, you're, you're partying pretty hard this weekend. What can you do to, to bring, your, bring your calorie count back down? Or maybe they call me up and say, I see that your step count's gone down. Your step, your step count's gone down for the past three days. What's going on? We need you to walk. If you're not, if you're not gonna walk, it's not gonna be good. So these types of, of situations help the patient improve the quality of life. It is a tremendous patient service item for the practice the doctor, when I come in to see my doctor, my doctor can now look at reliable uh, continuity of care of information, right? Because yeah. right now when I go to the doctor and the doctor says, how are you managing your weight? What am I going to tell him? I to say, well, you know, there was that big holiday a couple months back and I, I gained a couple it pounds. I haven't, taken them back. I haven't taken them back off yet. Well, gee, I wish I'd known that because I would have interceded with you. I'm sorry, I would have intervened to get you back on track and to get you, uh, get your calorie count back down or get you to be more active. Well, so n- there's, it- a lot of, there's a lot of exciting things, exciting possibilities, but we're going to have to change how our practices look at patient service. And we have to realize that bringing the patient in is not necessarily how we make money.
1: Well, and certainly not in the future because what I'm thinking is and listening to you talk about that example of the physician, well, I wish I would have known. I mean, historically, we've just not known anything once the patient leaves the doors of the practice, right? There's been no way to get this data accurately and reliably and easily without phoning folks. And we, we've had some technology tools. But now where this is going, and let, let's talk about the details here. So the cysts, you have mentioned health coach doesn't always have to be the doctor, kind of walk me through the, the system, You know, what are the features of the actual technology platform, and then who, where does that data go? I mean, who's monitoring it? Does this practice pay a service of a call center of nurses, or do they do it in-house with a medical assistant or a health coach, or, or do they have the flexibility of deciding which way to go with that? How does it work?
3: Okay, I'm, I gotta unpack this, okay? So uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about the systems, and then we'll talk about the mechanism to support this, okay? Yep. Okay. So what the systems do is the systems basically, you have, you have a gadget. So the gadget is a Bluetooth-enabled scale or a Bluetooth-enabled spirometer or Bluetooth-enabled gluc- glucose meter. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, also, uh, there, are, there are a whole class of wearables now. So wearables are, they look like a watch and they, some of them actually do tell time, but uh, what they really do is they can do pulse, they can do uh, respiration. Uh, they cannot reliably do blood pressure right now. Okay. okay? Um, they can do uh, a number of other different things. Uh, in some cases, some systems can actually do uh, pulse ox, um, and some other, and, and also monitor activity. So if you, and some of them have other an, ancillary benefits for, uh, seniors because they'll have like a SOS capability. Uh, so if the patient, if the, if the senior falls, you're wearing your watch. Oh, and it, you know? so it's, if, if, let if somebody know
1: that something's happened.
3: Right. If you fall and you're a little disoriented, sometimes it's really hard to find that thing around your neck. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something else about the thing around your neck. Seniors don't like it.
1: Yeah, my mom didn't, you know what, she didn't, she was in a senior community, and they had that as part of her fee, and she didn't like to wear it.
3: No, it's, they're unattractive, they don't look cool at all, and they're very obvious. Yeah. If I'm wearing something that looks like a watch, you don't know what every watch in the world looks like. That's right. And and interestingly, they've done some studies that, um, in senior communities, to use these kinds of techniques, uh, sometimes they gamify it. So if you look at the, if you look at the uh, things like calorie intake or you look at things like, like uh, uh, steps or calories burned, um, all of these things are things that can, uh, you know, can be helpful in, in making that happen. So when you talk about what the system features are, you have these gadgets, and then you have a data repository, and the data repository is where the analytics is done. And that becomes, this is a very important issue, that becomes a part of your patient's medical record. Mm-hmm. Okay, do not do not look at this and say, "Oh, that's that information. That's hanging out there. That's not that's not part of the designated medical record." Absolutely, is. It is giving you actionable patient information twenty four seven. You have a you have some sort of mechanism. People who are dedicated to monitoring it. And, uh, and then when, something goes, when somebody goes off the guardrail, I now contact the patient to bring them back in line. And what this does is this saves hospital visits. And the return on investment is just unbelievable. It's 5 to 1, 10 to 1 in some cases, because basically if I do a hospital save, that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. So that, that's a big thing from a cost perspective, yeah. but it's also very nice because it's, quality of life. Yeah, it's good
1: for the patient. I mean, nobody wants to go to the hospital, and then when they come out, they're weak, and, you know, they got to get back. So, yeah, that's good for everyone.
3: So, so the, the, those are the system features. So the system features are the gadgets, the, the data repository, and all of the programming analytics around that. And then this is, this is where a number of products fall down, the way of documenting your due diligence as a medical organization in helping take care of that patient. So if the system comes up and it says, Ron's blood pressure, uh, I'm sorry, Ron's pulse went too high or Ron's blood pressure went too high or Ron's weight went too high. If the flag said that, and I just go in and I check off a box and say, okay, that's no good. You really need to have a, a tool that's going to allow you to document the, the, um, what you did, uh, you document your interaction with the patient, document what you told the patient to do, um, uh, put in a tickler for a callback. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, that reminds you
1: automatically somehow. So, you know, to call, at some right, point
3: or follow up. You know, maybe I notice that the patient's calorie intake is down and their, their, their respirations down and their, their pulses down. So I'm going to call them right now. I'm going to say, what's going on? and let's get you back on track, and I want you to go have breakfast, and this is what I want you to eat, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you in an hour, and I want to make, and that call just saved the healthcare system $5,000. Okay? Yeah. That call just saved the healthcare system $5,000. If I'm doing a remote telemedicine visit with a patient, let's suppose you have an elderly patient that has wound care, okay? You know, those cameras are pretty darn good. You could hold up their wound to the, to, the, to the camera, and you can see if it's got a problem, it's infected, I need to see you right away, or everything looks fine. Or if it's questionable, maybe you're going to uh, d- d- um, uh, dispatch a home health person to go see the patient, depending on the type of organization you're running. When I have a patient who goes home from the hospital after a procedure, And I tell them, I want to, I, I, right now I tell them if the wound looks whatever, whatever, call me. Mm -hmm. No, I'm going to have a nurse call. I'm going to have a nurse say, show me the wound, show me the, the incision point. Let me take a look at that right now. We have many more contacts with patients and there are a lot of benefits to this. Number one, I provide a higher level of patient service. Number two is I save the healthcare system a lot of money. And number three, Number three, and this is not insignificant, your entire healthcare organization, all your employees are going to have much better satisfaction in their jobs because they're making true contributions to patient wellness and safety.
1: That's interesting. So that, that data is out there showing that these systems really make folks, the, the, the care providers and the staff, happier with their role,
3: with their Absolutely. job. Absolutely. You look today, and unfortunately, many of us, we're, we're already incurring the cost of doing this. We have things called like nurse help lines or, or, or scheduling lines or something like that. And what the person is basically doing is making a decision about whether to bring you in for a same-day appointment. And if it gets any more complicated than that, they, they literally say, go to the emergency room. Could you imagine that now instead of saying go to the emergency room, I go, well, let me, let me put you on a telehealth visit right now. Yep. Let's let's have it right this second. Um, And I can, I can find out all kinds of interesting things about the patient and I can more, I can allocate appropriate resources to make sure that they stay well or get better. And then uh, some of it might be a coaching from a health coach. Some of it may be a visit from a nurse uh, over the, over the internet, you know, a telehealth visit, a visit with the nurse. Maybe, maybe it's going to be with a, with a mid-level or even a doctor, depending on the size of organization. When you take a look at what's going to happen over the next, and it's not going to be too long, right? Because four or five years from now, just about every one of us is going to be walking around with one of these gadgets because it saves money. It saves money. It makes a big difference. The key is your, is your smartphone. This is, this, is, this is the key to the whole game, that you, you, you already have a smartphone in your pocket there's something called the Internet of Things mm-hmm. that I can actually, I can actually uh, uh, put a device, I can put a chipset in a device that it will send the information to the, to the cloud location over the Internet, uh, you know, through literally cellular networks. I mean, all, all this stuff has been in there. You know, it's there. We just haven't been using it. But now, on January 1st, Medicare said, you know what? I'm willing to pay you I'm, I'm willing to pay you uh, uh, 50, $54 a month for you spending up to 20 minutes, at least 20 minutes with a patient, monitoring their activities and their, their information coming over the system. And I'm willing to pay you $69 for the, for the gadgets. So if you give your patient the gadgets, I'll pay you $69 a month for the gadgets, and then while you're monitoring the gadgets, as long as, you pay, as long as you spend more than 20 minutes with the patient, I'm gonna pay you $54. So now you're sitting there looking at $123 a month for patients who could benefit from monitoring. The way you get started is this. Number one, you have to, you have to figure out who's gonna, who's gonna field these, these clinical calls. Who's, how am I gonna do that? Okay, so let's use a 15-doctor example with with three offices. Chances are they have four to six schedulers in their their organization right now. And those four to six schedulers are, in some cases, nurses Mm -hmm. or MAs. And the question you have to ask yourself is, how much is that costing me? And what clinical value do they bring to the practice? And I'm not knocking the person, by the way, I'm saying here is a resource that works with my patients who sits on, they sit on the phone all day. And I could now use that as a gateway into establishing a clinical call center where the people are not only dealing with phone calls, but also they're the ones that are sitting there getting these little, these little flags being raised that Ron's gaining too much weight or he hasn't taken his pills this morning, or we haven't. He hasn't weighed himself in two days, because the whole thing about remote patient monitoring systems—right, wrong, or indifferent—what they enable the doctors to do, they enable the doctors to be compensated for managing the patient situation. Which, if you look at the Merit-based Incentive Payment System for Medicare, I mean, this is like right in there with clinical quality. It is right in there with uh, advancing care information. And is also right in there with cost, right? because if I keep patients, if my cost of care is lower, then I'm going to get brownie points from merit-based incentive payment system. however, however, the merit-based incentive payment system is not the key here. the key here is value based uh the value based systems. so when we talk about something like shared savings mm-hmm. okay, when we talk about shared savings, you might sit there and say. How am I going to get shared savings? Well, here's your chance right here. You can get shared savings because if I'm staying, if I'm helping to keep the patient on their treatment plans and I'm monitoring what's going on with them and I'm letting them know that they have a problem before they even realize it, now that's going to drop down into the healthcare system as a savings. And right. if you have a shared savings arrangement with, your, with a payer, then this is a mechanism to do that. As a matter of fact, Um, Medicare certainly has already put a line in the sand on this. There are a number of payers that are following. And if the payer isn't following, uh, and your practice is big enough, bring in your, your big insurance guy and say, this is what I want to do. Because if I invest this money and I'm keeping patients out of the hospital, that's saving you a lot of money. And that means that, uh, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be plenty of money to go around. At the end of the day, the the fascinating thing about remote patient monitoring systems and chronic care management is that it actually is turning the tide back into the into the hands of the physician. Okay. It's actually actually empowering the physician and compensating the physician to provide better services to patients and staying on top of patient situation to lead to a better quality of life for the patient, superior patient service, because the patient's going to Feel very engaged. That's one of the that's one of the four aims under the under the uh, merit pay, uh, quality payment program of Medicare, and the patient's going to be more engaged. And oddly enough, these systems actually allow the family to become engaged. So so when we talked about this, the information going out into the into the into the cloud into the analytics model, they those those alerts could also be sent to patients' loved ones. So if I have an elderly parent and they're not going in the right direction and they're not they're losing weight, I want to get that message too because I'm going to call mom and I'm going to say what's going on with her. Yep. No, so this the, is the implications for this it, is astounding. It's
1: fantastic. And I think you know you mentioned value based care, where everything is going quite quickly now. I think the next, like you said, the next four or five years are really going to be telling. So physicians thinking about getting organized now, I think you had a couple of really good pieces of advice. Um, thinking about how you're going to redeploy your, maybe looking at your schedulers, looking to see who we might be able to use it at the highest and best use of their licensure. Maybe you have a medical assistant or an RN who's doing scheduling, and that's fine, but they might be able to use a little bit more of their clinical knowledge in being the health coach and watching these alerts. And then also being proactive with plans um, or, uh, you know, and commercial plans to see if they might be willing to start a program like
3: this. I I've seen situations where you have good sized practices with two or three schedulers in each office. And and here's the other thing, I mean, this has a this has a, an unbelievable effect on the organization. To be to be the clinical call center does not have to be in an office.
1: Right. It right, sure. It could be anywhere. You just need so to well, be connected you know on, on the internet and phone.
3: I just repurpose space to make two or two, you know, one or two new exam rooms that are now gonna be generating revenue, and and it's it's a whole different ballgame. So the reality of this is, is if you look at these pieces, if you look at chronic care management, telehealth, and and remote patient monitoring systems, all of these things are basically enabling you to take a new look at how you manage your patients and the services you provide to them, because you're gonna provide more results-oriented information to them that's gonna improve their health situation and keep them well or make them better.
2: Othi, I feel like this episode gave listeners a glimpse into the future of how a lot of patients are going to be cared for. Technology makes it possible for physicians and other members of the care team uh, to know how patients are doing after they leave the clinic.
1: Yeah, and I think five years from now, we're going to look back and say that 2019 was a tipping point because that's when we got these new codes and reimbursement became more uh, palatable and enabled physicians to think in this direction. And as Ron talked about, um, today the reimbursement has become sufficient enough to at least get physicians to try it.
2: Yep. I imagine that five years from now, we're going to be very deep into value-based care and risk arrangements. Practices will have to be measuring patient conditions and clinical data after hospital discharge uh, and between uh, physician visits, right?
1: Yeah, I think exactly. And I I also like how Ron pointed out that the data, these remote systems monitor, becomes actionable through these analytics and alerts. So when when patients are being monitored in that post-acute care environment or between visits, um, you know, not only do we get the information, but the care team can follow up. Like oh, yeah. with a telehealth visit or something or call or call sure. the patient. And, yeah.
2: Yeah. Very, very cool. It makes a lot of sense for older people. Here I'm, I'm thinking of my father who has trouble getting out, walking, navigating parking lots, and you know, these health system buildings are always enormous. Um, so this is a nice, a nice way to uh, communicate information. I think it's better care all the way around.
1: Agreed. Okay, Mike, well, we've come to the end of another episode of Sound Practice. We've put links to Ron's books, both published by Green Ranch Publishing, in the show notes, non-fee-for-service revenue cycle management, and his Hymns Book of the Year Award winner, Keys to EHR Success.
2: Oh, very nice. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, please tell your colleagues. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcast or
1: Google Play. Yes, we would. And if you'd like to give us feedback directly or make a suggestion about the podcast, please send us an email at feedback at soundpracticepodcast.com.
2: And please join us for our next episode. Don't forget, we release one every other Wednesday.
0: You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions about future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at Green Branch Publishing. For the best in practice management, journals, books, newsletters, and on-demand programming for physicians and practice executives, visit greenbranch.com.
1: With the lens on tube
3: Well, Phil Rizzuto had his holy cow That man Robin went with kapow